Rava Metzia, Perik Aleph, Mishnah Ches, 1-8, the last of the Perik. And uh, this Mishnah actually has seven, several different topics wedged into it. Uh, the first is going on the topic we said the past two Mishnahs, which was what happens if you find contracts? Should you return them? And we said in the Mishnah Vav and Zayn, basically you should not return them in those examples. But here in Mishnah Ches, we'll give examples that you should uh, return. So the first set here has to do with uh, contracts lodged that are administered by a Bezdin, and the essential difference is that the Bezdin would do these documents after the fact, not before. In other words, like in the previous Mishnah, we had a case of a get, so a person could write a get and then never deliver it. But our con- our Mishnah here now is going to have cases where a Bezdin would only give a document after it was a like, fait complete, it was a done done deal. And therefore, we can assume that it's, it's a, a relevant document, which was executed, and therefore to give it to the person to whom it is addressed. So, the Mishnah says, Matze igros shum. If you find a, a like an appraisal document, something like that, an igeret is a letter, meaning it's a document that's sort of a, for public uh, consumption as opposed to a private star, private contract between two parties. Shum means appraisal. And the idea here is that if you had a lender who couldn't collect on his star chov, his loan, so the bezin would essentially uh, give him property from the bar if the bar doesn't pay cash. So the way they would do it is they would appraise the borrower's um, assets, which are sort of encumbered by this loan, and say, listen, you lend them $100. It seems to us that what's fair is you should get this piece of property in exchange for $100. So uh, the document that would show the appraisal that it's worth $100 is what um, the lender would be given, and that sort of will serve as his deed, meaning he's going to have to prove that he's the rightful owner now of this piece of property, and it's this Igeret Shum that will be his proof. Same goes for Igros Mazon. Two pshatim here. Uh, the first pshat the bartender brings is that when a person marries a woman who has an existing daughter, so that means he's taking on a stepdaughter, if you will. So really, um, at a base case, he has no specific obligations to this stepdaughter girl necessarily, but if he uh, formally agrees to support her, um, providing with some amount of money for some amount of time, so that would be um, written up by the courts uh, as a sort of a proof, and that would be called the Igeret the Mazon, the letter regarding um, sustenance, if you will, for the stepdaughter. It's called the Nigeret, again, kind of for public consumption because this is sort of a public document and people would sort of be happy to publicize it because it shows the, let's say, magnanimity, the generosity of the uh, the stepfather. That's one shot. Uh, there is a separate shot um, that many learn, which is that we're talking here about um, uh, authorization regarding a, a widow basically her documentation that it shows that she was allowed to collect from the estate ahead of her late husband's heirs uh, because she needs to be supported first. There wasn't money to be provided for her otherwise, so this shows that she's allowed to be supported by whatever she's selling from the estate. Then you have Shtari Chalitza Umi'unin. So these are documents that confirm that a Chalitza or Mi'un was done. Chalitza, you recall, is when you have to do Yibum because a woman uh, is a widow but her husband died without children. So she can either marry her husband. Excuse me. She can either marry her husband's brother. That's Yibum. Or nowadays we don't do that. We only do chalitza. Instead, the surviving brother would give her, like, do a procedure called chalitza, where she was taken off and she spits on the ground. And and anyways, and then after doing the chalitza, um, she's free to marry whomever she wants. So she needs a document, kind of like like a get, so to speak, which can show that she's available to marry somebody other than her brother-in-law, and. Uh, meaning that she's done the chalitza process. So that's what she would be given by the bezin. And again, it would be given to her after she did the chalitza process. Therefore, for sure, she's a chalutza and she deserves this contract. So if you find the contract, 
the star Chalitza, you should give it to her so she can marry somebody else later on. As for a star of Mion, this is where you have a girl who is an orphan. Her father's not alive. She's a minor, less than 12. So she has no way to get married. In the time of Chazal, that might have been very disadvantageous to her. So the rabbis authorized her mother or her older brothers to marry her off, on, on essentially on her behalf for her benefit. Um, if it turns out she doesn't like the man they stuck her with, um, she can reject that man at to her bar mitzvah, and the rejection is the word mi'un, is rejection. So the point is, if she rejects that man, she's actually like never married to him, meaning she's never been married. So a girl who went through mi'un even could marry a Cohen. She's not a divorcee. The point is, since people know she used to be married, or ostensibly was married to this guy, so she needs to have some document showing that's not the case. That'll be her star mi'un, because she rejected him, so she needs that contract. If you find a star mi'un, you should give it back to the girl, because the bezin wouldn't write the star mi'un unless she actually already performed the mi'un. Vishtari Beirurin, these are contracts when a person um, goes to Bezin, there would be typically three dianum for certain kinds of cases. If there's a conflict between you know, plaintiff and defendant, the two baledin, sar they agree on who should the dianum be. Each person chooses one uh, dianum, and then the two dianum choose a third. So that'll make for a Bezin of three. Once, um, so sort of to stop any, any gridlock in the procedure, that's how it's done, and the people will agree. The both litigants will agree. You know, I get my lawyer, my dine, you get your dine, and they will choose a third. And I consent that there's no backing out of this. Once I agree to mine, you agree to yours, and they pick a third. I'll go through with the court case and adhere to whatever the court rules. So that star Beirun is, is codified to, so you can't back out, uh, basically who he chose and so on. And that's, um, again, the same thing. So that, that document, if it's lost and then found, should be given back because presumably it's binding and the person, like, each party wants to confirm the other party made their commitment to work with a certain judge. Vchol literally any other court kind of document or documents that effect that uh, reflect what the court did, all those things, those all should be returned to the person to whom they were written. all baked in contracts. What is that coming to add? So the Gemara suggests two things. First, you have what's called the Shtar Chalta'ata, hope that's how you pronounce it. And that is um, essentially that's the same as we had before of the uh, the Igeret Shum, which is an appraisal allowing the lender to get property from the borrower. The difference is the Igeret Shum is kind of done with the consent and in the presence, if you will, of the borrower who knows what's going on. If the borrower is absent or recalcitrant or not participating, they'll act unilaterally, giving some authorization of the of the uh, lender to confiscate something and sell it on his own, like on, you know, put it up for auction to get re- repaid. So that authorization is called this this star, Khaltata. And then you also have this star Adrachta, I hope that's how you pronounce that one, um, which is essentially some kind of like um uh, like Yipri Koach, like uh what's the word in English? A power of attorney, if you will, um, that says, listen, the borrower who you owes you money has nothing as far as we can tell, but if you ever find out a property he does have you're being authorized to claim it to make yourself whole. So that authorization is called this star adrachta, and that is um, the kind of thing we're referring to in the Mishnah here. Okay, so that would go then again to, the, to the, the lender, both those kind of things. So that's the first part of the Mishnah. Now the second part of the Mishnah, it's like a new point, if you will. Um, here we're talking about um, if you find something in a way where we wouldn't normally, like let's say star which you don't return. But if there's a way in which the person who lost it could identify that it was his, um, 
and he he then he should be able to get it. So really, we're sort of beginning to lapse into the next parak, talking about the mitzvah of Hashavas Aveda and the providing of simanim, like identifying features, so you can get your lost object back. So we're talking here, we're like getting to that topic now. Question: What happens if you have a star that shouldn't be returned, but because um, maybe it was the borrowers, maybe it was the lenders, but here, let's say the the lender can prove that it was his uh, in his hands. So then he can get it back. So how that happened? For example, If you find the contract and it's in some kind of leather bag, chafisa Rashi learns is a leather bag for keeping like wine. Duluskama leather bag for keeping you know stuff on your old so you don't lose it. The point is that's not the kind of place you keep your contract, says Rashi. So if the person who lost it says, "Oh, I lost my contract and it was in my chafisa," then you should give it back to him because that's a that, that's a proof that he. No, he can identify. Um, same goes if you, know, you put up a sign, found contract, identify, and they said, I, I lost it. It was in my Deliskama, so then you should give it back to him. Tosso stores, by the way, that this is normal thing to do. People keep stuff in leather pouches, like, you know, attache cases and briefcases and stuff. Um, but it's still, the simon is the same idea. If you find a Tachrish shel Staros or a Gudish shel Staros, that basically means you have multiple Staros that are wrapped up together. Uh, so again, that's kind of an identifying feature. So what it means, a tachrich is basically you, you wrap up, like you roll up contract A, then on top of it you roll contract B, then on top of it you roll contract C. That's a, like a tachrich. And lichroch um, is like to, to bind, something like that, to tie up, to wrap, to wrap, a wrap. Um, and uh, a guda shostaros, a guda means like a bunch, I can't translate better than that, so to speak, a, a collection of contracts. So the Aguda basically, basically, let's say you have a stack of, think of it as three papers along on top of each other, then you roll it up into a single big roll, that's called the Aguda. Probably the same thing would be if you staple together or, you know, or alligator clip together. That is, it's three things bound together. So it says, Hareza Yachzer, you should return if you find it. The idea again is that if the person who lost it can say, listen, of course it's my contract, I can identify all three of them and they were bound together in this way, that would be a simon, you should give it back to him. Vekama Aguda Shelstaros, how many contracts do have to be in this, this, um, the bundle, shlosha, kshur, and zebazeh, three tied up together. The idea being that if someone puts up a sign and says, I found contracts, identify them, and your identification is, yeah, I lost two contracts, because plural, plural, uh, that wouldn't be good enough. But three is more than that, and so if it's three or more, and you can identify how many there were, then that would be a good uh, simon confirming feature that it was yours, that it was lost. Rameshim Magamil Omer, Echad Halov, sorry, Echad halova mishlosha. If you find three contracts, no simon, but the three contracts that are together are from a single borrower. So, meaning three different lenders, one borrower. It certainly stands to reason that um, it's the borrower's stuff that got lost, because why would the bother, if it's from three different people, loans, and why would they be together unless it's lost from the pocket of the borrower? Therefore, yachzir lalova, give it back to the borrower, says the Mishnah. The Gemara speaks out here. This has to be already confirmed by the Bezin. These are like, like you know, have to be notarized documents, something like that. The idea being that otherwise, maybe it's the scribe, like the lawyer, the scribe who works for the for the courts, who dropped it himself before the loan was ever made. In other words, you know, the borrower's doing some angel round for his new startup. He goes to three angel investors. They say yes. Have the lawyer write it up, and the lawyer's doing three contracts. So maybe the money was never loaned. Um, or, or maybe you know, and uh, and uh, why would you know? We can't confirm what had happened yet, so therefore has to be court signed off. Um, same goes if you have 
three different contracts with three different borrowers from one lender, then Yaks the Malva give back the lender for the same thinking, which is why would the lender have three different contracts from three different borrowers unless he made three different loans? Right? Matzashtar, Benashtar. Okay, like now really kind of like a new point here. Um, like a new paragraph for you, if you will. What happens if Matzashtar, Benashtarosav, a person finds a star amongst his, you know, in his drawer somewhere, amongst his stuff, his different contracts. Mativo. And he doesn't know the nature of this contract. Meaning, Reuven finds a contract in his files, and the contract says that Shimon owes Levi money. So Reuven's trying to remember, who gave this to me? Was that Shimon who gave it to me for safekeeping? Or was it Levi who gave it to me for safekeeping? I don't remember. So since he doesn't remember, it says the Mishnah, Yehei Munach Ajyavo Eliyahu. He shouldn't give it to anybody. He should just sit on it until Elionovi comes to prove, identify to whom the contract should be given. By the way, if later on he remembers um, what happened, like how he ended up with this contract, and he is believed, and we would, you know, if he says, oh yeah, now I remember, you know, the money hadn't been paid or had been paid, we would follow that memory later on. Okay, the last part of the mission is like a new point again. It's not really going on that previous sentence. It's like a standalone going back um, to a person's own records. What happens if a person, I'm going to explain it first before I read the words inside, a person um, goes through his contracts, you know, and he sees in his Amongst his drawer pay contracts, he says one contract that hasn't been like torn up, like the other ones which were torn up because they were paid. Um, but so it's like looks like it still should be collected, but stapled to it or with it, you know, with a paperclip doesn't make a difference. Is um, document that says, oh, this actually was paid back. So <clears throat> that's highly irregular. Like, why isn't this thing torn up? If it was paid back, what gives? It's a little confusing. You could a lot of things could have happened. Says the Mishnah. If um, simponos. If one finds amongst his contracts, like a contradictory document, a simponos are like something which contradicts the facts. So you have you know arrows pointing in two opposite directions. What to do with this contract? Then simponos. Then you would follow what the second document says that contradicts the first, because we assume it was written second to undo what was done. So in other words, the fact that you find, for example, a receipt of payment. Um, regarding the IOU, that wasn't torn up. Assume it was indeed paid back. You just forgot to tear it up. And um, this, that's why you had a receipt. You just must have forgotten to give it to um, the borrower. Says the Gemara, this assumes that you're finding it amongst your other like paid contracts. Obviously, if you found it amongst your unpaid contracts, so you have a stack of unpaid contracts you need to collect on, and one of the, there's, a, there's um, like a, a receipt with one of them. So therefore, you don't have to assume that it was paid back because maybe you, you wrote the receipt, you're just waiting to get the money, so you hand over the receipt, and you never got paid, so you never get the receipt over. So you only follow the simple on the second documents like this if you find what you were, your the, the contradiction, if the circumstances around finding it point to the simple being the, the correct um, document of what happened.